What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of World on Drugs Synopsis. We're here, baby, and this episode is all about the Primero Commando de Capital, the PCC, or the First Capital Command. Uh, this is a prison gang in Brazil that started in about 1992 as a retaliation to the Carandiru Prison Massacre in Sao Paulo, where prison guards killed over 111 prisoners. That's going to start something, folks. You kill 111 of anyone. From 1992 to 2004, they changed their name from the Capitals into the First Capital Command, and they spend the rest of the decade murdering all other prison bosses, murdering, assassinating, fucking destroying, okay? Um, in 2001, they used their first demonstration of power where they have prison riots in over 29 prisons over Brazil and using 30,000 inmates. That's going to send a message. That's power, folks. In 2002, a bank robber named Marcos Williams Herbanos Camacho, his alias is Marcola, becomes a new leader of the PCC and leads them into a new era where their power goes from beyond just prison walls it goes into terrorist attacks. For the next two to three years, they plan terrorist attacks, aims at destroying the Brazilian economy and government, trying to start themselves and place themselves in places of power. August 6, 2005, Banco Central burglary at Fortaleza. The PCC is involved in one of the biggest bank heists in the history of mankind. Uh, they have a bank heist where a group of 25 people steal over $70 million. Oogly boogly, that's a lot of money. They then use this money to uh, fuel their empire. And boy, do they start having an empire. October 2006, the PCC influenced a Brazilian presidential election. How do they do this? Uh, they execute 293 attacks on police stations and government buildings where people are voting. Um, and they effectively shut down Sao Paulo and swing the election for their left workers candidate, um, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva. That guy becomes president. The guy that the PCC put and helped becomes president. Uh, they now use their political ties to further their destruction as they begin to have ties with terrorist organizations across the globe, like Hezbollah, which they start trading cocaine for guns, military guns, Israeli military guns. And they also have some connections to terrorist organizations all the way in Mozambique. This went from a group of prison inmates trying to to hide themselves from guards so they wouldn't be murdered into one of the premier... To, they're running the Brazilian government. In 2017, uh, violence between the PCC and the police come to a point where in one year the PCC kill over 300 police and government officials. If you think I just nailed all the crazy stuff they did, I didn't, folks. There's so much more. And if you want to hear about it, check out the newest episode of World on Drugs with me, Steve Fury, wherever you get podcasts. It's a good one. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of World on Drugs, and we got a pa -pa 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 banger, folks, on our hands. We're talking about the Primero Commando de Capital. Yup, right in your backyard. You never even heard of them. If your backyard is Brazil, and if it is, you fucking for sure have heard about these guys. Uh, the PCC was created in the early 90s by a small group of envy 
seeking prisoners who were disturbed by the massacre of their friends in the Karenderu prison. That prison, uh, that, that was a massacre. What happened was that 111 prisoners were killed by guards. No one ever got in trouble. Step by step, they were slowly building one of the biggest and most sophisticated prison empires in the world. Directed and ran by a charismatic, ambitious leader and influenced by left-wing politics and ideas, they achieved corporation-level types of management with its own independent departments, laws, unions, and courts. Not a huge fan of uh, prison gangs, but do love a good union. They are able to coordinate actions not only inside one prison, but all over the country and beyond, in the cells and then on the streets. Their business contacts stretch as far as Mozambique and Lebanon. Yeah, halfway through this little bad boy, they start hooking up with Hezbollah. If you don't know who they are, we're going to learn about them in a couple weeks. Their power influence grew so big that the PCC had even influenced presidential election results and conducted spectacular military-type operations abroad. There is no end in sight for this group. Officials are feeling hopeless and desperate as PCC's membership surges and they got two presidents elected in Brazil, even the one working today. On one hand, violence, terrorism, and drugs. On the other hand, guaranteed social security, sophisticated heists, and political activism. Uh, this was a really good episode. Uh, these guys are fucking crazy. I feel like no one's talking about them. And from what I've read in the researcher research I did, this is one of the most badass organizations in the world. So enough about them. Let's focus on me. This is my my pot. This is my part of the pot. Uh, how have I been doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just living life. Um, last week I did the uh, yesterday I did the Eliza taping. We'll get to that though. That was a fucking highlight of uh, my year so far. Um, the comedy store has been great, you know. Comedy right now is a little weird, and I'm not talking about the, the PCC police. Or no, that's these guys. These guys would be far worse than the PC police. <laughs> if the PCC, the premier commanded a capital was up my ass, uh, it would not be fun. Yeah, so comedy, the comedy store has been great. My store, my store spots are getting better, um, getting more frequent, getting higher in the lineups. Um, the, the booker Emily is watching. I'm doing well. The last gentleman who ran the comedy store, big fan, I'm a huge fan of Adam, but he ran it pretty much like famous people in the middle, and then otherwise, uh, newest guy was last, and you kind of moved up the ladder. But um, some people that were passed uh, before me uh, are fucking terrible at stand-up. I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to say names. Uh, but they have two names. They have a first and a last name. And it's just kind of, you know, honestly, I don't really care that they're terrible. That doesn't bother me. But they start walking people. Like walking audience members, like audience members go. Because when you see a lineup, and as the store goes, normally you think that guy at the end is the best. But the store kind of doesn't really work like that. So if they see a guy who's terrible and there's four more people, they're like, okay, everyone's just going to be worse after this. And then they start leaving. So then I go up and there's like 12 people in the room. But now I'm going up at 11 p.m. I'm keeping people, which has always been my uh, goal working the store. A lot of guys go up there and use it as their own thing. I'm not comfortable enough to just start doing new material like i'll bust in some new jokes once in a while but i'm not going to use this as my workout room because this is uh the greatest fucking comedy club that ever existed and i am not to the point in my career where i could just use it as a gym that's what my other shows are for so i've been doing good and i think she sees me and it's great um 
other shows. You know, Bear City, uh, Long Beach show, long-standing greatest show in Long Beach. Here's looking at you, Laugh Factory Long Beach, and whatever other shows out there. Still good, you know. We're still putting about 40 to 50 people in there, but going from 100 plus pre-Delta, I'm not even going to say COVID because between COVID and Delta, we were really popping and things were really great. So that show has been good. And then the Setup LA ones, you know, we have our Citizen one tonight in Culver City, Wednesdays, every Wednesday in Culver City. Check that one out. That one's still doing very well. Um, Great room, beautiful, good-looking people. Just fun, you know. There's not much going on in Culver. So when um, you can get a show popping, it's good. But then the one on our east side one in Echo Park, I think there's people are a lot more um, militantly liberal. You know, I'm very liberal, but I'm not like, I'm not like... And do we need to shut everything down again? It's like, well, you know, people that aren't vaccinated will probably die, well, could die. And the people that aren't are just going to get sick. So I'd rather just, you know, get sick, keep living my life. And if I'm sick for two weeks, all my friends said it was a true living nightmare. I was vaccinated once, but they didn't die. And I don't know if I want to shut down my whole life and the city just so I won't get sick for two weeks. But, you know, some people are like that, and that's fair. Whatever way you are, if you're anti-vax, kind of sucks for me, but, you know, live your life. And if you are vexed and you're freaking out about other people, whatever, man. I don't really care. But it is fucking up smaller shows. But that's fine, you know. Tis the world we live in. Um, So my Eliza taping was two days ago. And that was a treat. Um, Eliza was super cool. The venue was called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang at um, the Line Hotel. I think rich people party in hotels. I've never really heard of this, and I'm not talking about your Motel 6. This place is a fucking place people get married here. And they had, like, this insane bar that you enter through an ATM machine. Pretty hip. That's a big thing in L.A. is entering through businesses through doors that aren't supposed to be businesses. Um, You know, a la snack machine that opens. I think Davy Wayne's, you go through a refrigerator. I think there's another one by the Davy Wayne's people that has, like, this, like, I swear to God, this is what I've heard. This is out of my price range to go. Uh, there's like a prostitute sleeping on a bed, and you like wake her up, and then you go underneath her bed. I don't know if she's a real prostitute. She's just some actress playing, some failed actress playing a prostitute, and then you go under the bed, and there's a club down there. Uh, this place kind of operated in the same thing. You went through an ATM machine, and then you went into a place that was fucking sick. It's, it's very... Uh, you know, I'd say 80s, early, late 80s, early 90s is the kind of the vibe of uh, the city right now. You know, people dressing, stuff like that. This place was neoned out, mirrors, pinks, light blues, beautiful. And then they brought us up to our green room. I had to enter through a vending machine door. And I'm like, I literally, it felt like I was going to be shot like at Goodfellas. They're like, yeah, come on over here. And I'm walking through like a freezer and upstairs. And then you get in this place, and it was sick. It was less, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of neon lights. Uh, Sacramento was, has a ton of neon lights. Like, a lot of the storefronts have neon lights. And I just like neon. I don't know. I'm trashing. The shit's cool, and I got them in here, and I don't really give a fuck, and I think this stuff's cool. So the f- main room where we had our show looked beautiful, but then this other one was just, like, super hip and cool. It looked like the 80s. They had all the walls were covered, and one line was all old, dirty lockers. And then the other one was a bunch of old um, tube TVs, different sizes put together. Another wall was uh, um, cassettes. And then on one of the cassettes, I found there was a button. And if I pushed that button, the door opened up. And there was like a 
place for the employees to keep their clothes. It was just very cool. I remember talking to someone who worked there. It was hard to get a drink, though. That's one thing. God dang. They wouldn't let us. There, there was a full bar, but there's no bartender, and they wouldn't let us grab any drinks. And I was like, listen, listen, folks, okay? If I'm not doing anything and I'm at home, I don't tend to wet my whistle, okay? But if I'm out during stand, doing stand-up, I like to have a few beers. My perfect, my perfect remedy for stand-up right now is about two shots of tequila, two beers. I can do three and three. Three and three, I'm getting, I'm feeling myself a little bit too much, but I'm still good. But two and two is like working perfect. Everything's loose. Everything's great. So I started uh, just walking around. I was like, fuck this. I need a beer. I can't. Because also, okay, so I had to get there at 6 p.m. My show was at 9. I was the first guy up. Didn't know that. That'll help out a little bit later, although, actually, for me. So I get there at 6 for makeup and everything. So I have to sit through the first show. You're not allowed to watch anyone else's set because the place is too packed. And so I'm sitting there. I get my makeup takes six minutes, and now I have like three hours to kill without drinking. But luckily, all my friends are there. Every, you know what, man? A lot of my friends were on this thing, and I'll talk about each and every one of them in a second. But being in a bar where I can't drink and I'm about to do stand up, got your boy a little thirsty. Need to what the old whistle I did. So I started just walking around. I bailed on the thing, started walking, the, and I noticed there was a wedding on a Monday. But that's how fancy this place is. I bet you this is the only time they could get in there. Like, I remember I went to their brunch. Their brunch, they have a greenhouse on top of the hotel. And this is a fucking, like, 30, 40-story hotel. And they have a greenhouse, and it was a brunch. They have famous brunches there that are hard to get into. You have to get, like, two weeks in advance, buy tickets. I, one time, bought uh, two tickets there. It was like, I think $65 a piece for the brunch. But the brunch is lit, man. It's not like a, it's like, you know, unlimited smoked salmon. There's shrimp. There's steaks. There's, it's like a real fancy place. I don't know if you think $60 is expensive for, I do. I mean, I think it's breakfast. It's fucking eggs. It's pretty expensive. So I had bought a ticket there for me and this girl. And then she broke up with me there, which is pretty fucking hilarious. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to eat shrimp. I didn't really cry or anything. I don't really cry that often. It was just more of a, we weren't really breaking up. We were just dating. And she was like, this isn't working. I was like, okay, cool. You, you could have told me over a dollar hamburger at Mickey D's. But, you know, to each their own. I'm just sitting there eating alone at a buffet because she got up and left. Whatever. So I see in this place, it's a greenhouse, beautifully designed. There's a mirror, There's a wedding in there. And I'm like, there's a bartender. I'm like, I'm just going to go on over there. I started dancing. So I started a little bit doing a little dance. But, you know, everyone's in tuxes. And I just walk up to the bartender, get two talk boys of some modern times, bring them back into the green room, drink them. And that was enough. And then we went downstairs to the lobby, got a few beers there, but then it closed down. And it was fun, man. Um, so let's talk about all the other comics on the show. We had Avery Pearson. He is, used to be one of the piano guys for the improv in the comedy store. Pretty much only does the improv now. I think I don't even know if he does that. He's more of a stay-at-home dad. He was great. Good buddy of mine. Brad Solnotzer, um, L.A. staple. He has the Brouhaha show. Buddy of mine. Irene, too. I wouldn't say we started comedy together. She's about two year, two to three years after me. But if you've seen me in San Francisco or you've seen my Instagram, she is the lesbian Chinese girl with the short hair. An actual friend of mine. We hang out. We go to dinner. We're all going to dinner on Monday. Logan Gunselman, another very good friend of mine. She just became a door guy at the store. She's probably passed that. She has a uh, com- couple Comedy Central things. She's uh, acting in the new series season of Barry. Um, she took my old apartment with my buddy John Gamora. 
a legit friend of mine, uh, another person I'm going to dinner on Monday. So that was very cool. Francisco Ramos, the guy that is on this podcast, he was on the show with me. He's a comedy store paid regular, used to be a door guy way before me, was always very cool. Got my boy Jason Cheney, was one of the first people I ever met in Southern California. I came down to do the World Series of Comedy. Here's a little thing, folks. This is one thing I will say about the World Series of Comedy. If you are in some tiny town and you don't think you're ever going to move or anything like that, feel free to do the World Series of Comedy. But my one thing I would do to say to you is, if you, this is for mainly comedians, if, if you put value in the World Series of Comedy, look at the past winners, and then, you know, some of them are my friends, but I wouldn't say any are successful. And my successful is um, maybe different than other people, but I mean working comic that doesn't have to beg for spots and stuff like that. So, you know. But, you know, grow, c- coming up, um, I thought it was one of the coolest things I could ever do. Went down to San Diego, big old britches, thought I was going to blow everybody's pants off. I murdered, and then a woman named Maria Herman beat me. I was all pissed. Jason beat me, too, but it was more of the woman because she was like this 48-year-old Australian woman. And it was like, how did, what? How did she beat me? I crushed. And so me and Jason, you know, I'm pretty good at making friends, um, mainly because it's like an empathy thing. I feel like... If I'm going somewhere and I feel all, uh, you know, alone, well, would I want someone to come and, and, and talk to me? So I'll go and talk to people. And I went up to Jason, said he had a great set, was like, hey, you want to go grab a burrito? We went and got burritos. This is literally like seven or eight years ago. And then we hit it off. Um, I mean, I went to the man's wedding. Um, he's a good friend of mine, Nicole Amy Schreiber. Um, another one of my very good friends. She uh, goes. She got passed with me at the comedy store, so we have that kind of connection. You know, it's like a class thing there. Um, another one of good friends, Luke Schwartz. He was on it. He has a Comedy Central credit. He's a door guy at the comedy store. I was the same time I was a door door guy. Felicia Folks, another one of my friends. Man, she's great. She's uh, if you ever see Barry, if you ever see any show I've ever booked, I always put her on it. She's hilarious. One of my good buds, um, Frank Castillo. Obviously, you know me if you know Frank Casillo, ex-door guy. I've done everything he's done. He's done everything I've done. And Jessica Michelle Singleton, another comedy store paid regular. So to say it was a treat to do this with all my friends would be the understatement of the century. You know, because obviously doing shit with friends is cool. But in this game of stand-up, a lot of times you'll, you'll get things or you'll see people get things. And you'll be like, what the fuck is going on there? Who da what about why is that person getting anything? And I feel I've normally tried to surround myself with people that I respect their art and I respect them as their friendship. And, you know, rising tides rises all the boats. So to have all my buddies here, it's pretty fucking cool, man. It was, it was great because the green room hang was like a party that you can't drink at, which kind of fucking sucked. But, yeah. So it was a really great experience. Uh, my girlfriend went. I uh, had my, my little management, not little management team, Levity's the fucking shit. I had some of my Levity people. Alex was there. Turner was there. This new young kid was there. It was, it was fucking cool, man. Um, so I went on the second show. I had to go up first on the second show. So normally in comedy, you do not want to go first and you do not want to go last. I feel I am better last than first, mainly because my jokes... You know, I'm not fucking Kinnison or, or, or someone saying buck wild shit. But, you know, I talk about doing drugs. I talk about, you know, dead kids is like my opening joke. 
tends to be a little bit better later in the night. I equate stand-up a lot to uh, having sex. And, you know, some stand-ups are like a little light petting. You know, a little nipple little nipple lick here, a little nape of the neck kiss. Some guys are like hardcore anal, you know. And you don't really want to go hardcore anal first and then follow it with light neck kisses on the nape of the neck. You know what I'm saying? I would say I'm more of just like, you know, not hardcore penetration, but, you know, we're getting in the rhythm. You, know, you can you can start with the rhythm. You can start in rhythm if it's good rhythm. But, you know, sometimes you want to start with a little bit of a nape of the neck kiss. So, luckily, I well, not luckily, I was going up first. So, I was like, okay, hopefully she's all warmed up. This is such a gross fucking way to talk about stand-up. Um, but, luckily, the show started an hour late so people were already kind of they were already a couple drinks in the audience um and eliza did two five minute sets and a guy opened with five minutes so really i'm going in a kind of showcase style like this i'm technically going probably about third third because of the other three stand-ups in their sets but also maybe even later because people had to wait an hour you know so i'm probably going fourth or fifth which is really where i fit perfect in a lineup you know you want to get those the rhythm of the ocean kind of um yeah so it worked out great for me and i would say my jokes went as good as they possibly could have um i got rid of a lot of my old stuff you know i i did the mexican supermarket bit uh i did a lot of bits because this was called uh la locals so i did a lot of bits that have la in them and i came up did really good can't complain happy those jokes are now on wax um, whenever it comes out, whatever happens, blah, blah, blah. Pretty great. Can't be too sad about that. So this week, I was supposed to do a lot of really great shows in L.A. I had three comedy store spots. I was doing Finally Jam in the Van, which is like this very hot L.A. show that's been going on the whole pandemic because it's outside and I finally got a set. But I had to bail on them all because I will be at Zany's Nashville this weekend, folks. Where's all my Nashville heads? Um, I'll be there with a guy named Shane Gillis. If you want to check him out, he's the guy who said, uh, I mean, he was just running a bit and said kind of a racist thing. He just said the C word about Chinese people, but it was like in a bit on a podcast, on a podcast no one's ever heard about. And then he got SNL and was promptly fired from SNL. And then he went on to turn that into probably the best sketch team called uh, Gillison, Gillian Reeves, Reeves and Gilly, something like that, on YouTube right now. I mean, their sketches are ten times better than anything Saturday Night Live's putting out other than Punky Johnson, the great uh, Punky Johnson. I can't ever say anything rude about that woman. Um, so, yeah, I get open for him. And Orny Adams. Um, I'm happy to open for Shane. Orny is who he is. But I'm excited to go to that. I'm going for the first time to Nashville. Zanny's is like the um, comedy show of the South. It's a, a very legendary club. In my mind, the legendary clubs in America would probably be, no, no order, but I would go Comedy Store, Comedy Cellar, in order. And then probably Hollywood Improv, Punchline San Francisco, Comedy Works Denver, Zany's Nashville. That's about it. I would say those are my ones that I've always wanted to do. And with this down, all I got to do is Comedy Works Denver, and that'll happen at some point. They're a little fickle on who they let have, uh, like, random people from out of state open for them. They're very 
all these clubs, all these like bigger clubs in smaller cities have this whole fucking thing you got to do to get work there. It's like you got to jump through. You got to come every Sunday to the open mic for three years, and then you get a guest spot for two years, and then you get a host for one, and then you do that, and then maybe you'll feature, and then now you've been doing comedy 15 years, and you're too old to move to L.A. Or, that's honest to God, or a headliner brings you. And that's really the thing that blows my mind away, how much fucking time I spent getting into all these clubs only to realize that I could have just came to L.A. and had someone bring me. That being said, I'm, the punchline has led me to all my friends, and I love that club, and it's very special to me. So, yeah, I did that. Um, excited. Uh, this guest this week is Francisco Ramos. Um, how did I meet him for the first time? He was an ex-door guy before I was ever a door guy at the comedy store. He was a door guy during the dark years. And by the time I got there, he um, was already paid regular. Adam really liked him. Uh, Francisco, I would... Is kind of a clean comic. He's more the kiss on the nape of the neck guy. You know what I mean? Very funny. Always does well. Really great guy. He's from Venezuela. I got him on this podcast because this uh, group is the PCC is from Brazil. Um, and guess what? It's hard to find Brazilian comics in LA. Who would have thunk? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I went with Venezuela. Did I think they were the same thing? Yes, I did. I mean, I knew Brazil, they speak Portuguese, but I don't know. I, I kind of, I always pictured like the South America to be like America. We're like different states, but kind of the same people, but um, they aren't. And I'm a fucking moron, so don't ever listen to me about anything. Um, what was actually interesting to learn a lot about him is, per, I mean, he's been to a lot of places down there and he knows the culture. So he is, uh, this is still a great episode. Honestly, this is one of my favorite episodes. One, because he's great. Two, because... This this organization's buck wild, and I feel like no one's really ever talked about them. And it was just really good, man. I'm really excited about it. Um, things that you guys should check out: Isaiah Rashad's new album is fan fucking tastic. Oh my god, it's streaming on everything. Um, another one: There's Paper Ch- Chase Illuminati. That is Key Glock, Young Dolph, Six Lock. Um, just kind of all my favorite rappers. They made this like two different record labels came together and made this uh, joint album. And if you like real Memphis kind of like trap beat shit, where like you know repetitive beats and guys talking about crazy stuff, fantastic. Honestly, fantastic. And television shows. I would start with Betray the Badge on Vice. Uh, my buddy uh, Morgan Mazel, my guy. Um, he hooked me up as a um, housewarming gift. He gave me his parents, or his, I don't know, I'm going to guess it's his parents, Hulu Live. So now my Hulu's fucking lit. And if you have Hulu Live, start checking out these Vice docs. Vice is going hard on some good documentaries. And they have this one called Betray the Badge, where it goes over, honestly, it's, actually, they have one one show that's almost exactly like my podcast. It's kind of freaking me out. I got to start getting some more, uh, I didn't know it was like it, but I got to start getting more um, random gangs because they've done a few of mine. They haven't done all of them, but they did like the 18th Street one, a couple of mafia ones. But they have a Betray the Badge one where they go over all the cops that have um, betrayed the badge and done some crazy shit. And there's some bad boys out there. Do I think all cops are bad? No. Do I think there are bad cops up there? For sure. Um, But, you know, I think they're... I mean, when you pay people less money, you get a lower people want to, lower qualified people want to do the job. 
And when people are lower qualified for a job and they're getting less money, they're more likely to do bad shit. So I don't know how you fix the police problem in America, not to say that there's every police is bad, but uh, I don't know how to do it, so I'm not going to pretend how to do it. But this was a pretty cool one. I haven't done the suggesting things for a while. Anything else? I have had some other stuff I think I wanted to talk about, but um, not um, so otherwise. You know, we got some great episodes coming up. I've said them in the past. We got some Albanian mafia, Serbian mafia, that kind of stuff. Going to try and get Bert for the Serbian one. Um, I do have something pretty big. So Dr. Joe Hofswell is doing, you know, he's kind of he's kind of my favorite. Uh, he's the longest producer, researcher we've had on the show. He's one of my favorites. He might come visit me in Nashville. I don't know. For one night, I, I would guess he probably might. No pressure. Joe, I know you're listening to us. But I think you've always said if I go out there, you want to come. We'll go get a beer if you want to come out there before a show. He's doing Hawaiian Gardens. Now, if you live in Hawaiian Garden, if you live in L.A., Hawaiian Gardens is an off-ramp by the Bicycle City Casino. Um, these are probably, from who I've talked to, the worst gang in Los Angeles. The one that the police are the most scared of. Not scared, not saying anyone's scared of anyone, but weary of. And for this episode, I will be bringing on... One of my cousin-in-laws, I guess, um, who was an LAPD and is now an Orange County sheriff. So he's going to get some uh, good information on these guys. It's going to be a really fun episode. That uh, one is not done yet, so it's probably going to be a little while. But that's going to be one we're going to want to keep our eyes out. Otherwise, you know, we got some great episodes coming up. Can't complain about much. Thank you guys for listening. The numbers are going up. We're getting better. Comedy store. We're gonna once we get into the com. Oh, did I ever talk about the comedy store stuff and why that is? So I'm gonna be recording here most of the time. But then when the comedy store reopens, um, they have a lot of cool stuff planned, man. And I'm really excited for it. And um, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be really good. So that's gonna happen probably mid September, and we'll see how everything goes from there. Thank you guys for listening. Um, this was fun. Fun episode. Fun week. Life is okay. I mean, this Delta variant's fucking doing whatever. But let's just get by, past it. Let's hope gas doesn't get any higher. World's fine, man. It's just stuff's fucked up. But, man, you remember when everything was okay for a little while there? Oh, that was nice. It's going to come back. I don't know when. I don't know how. But just stay together. we got to stop fighting each other. Whatever. Bullshit. This is a podcast. My name is Steve Fury. This episode is about the PC. See the Primero Capital de Command or Command de Capital with our guest Francisco Ramos. Check it out. Bye. Francisco Ramos, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, we're, the, the, the cat is just, yeah, on the video you can see my cat just eating my houseplant, the only houseplant I can <laughs> own at all. Um, so today we're going to talk about the Primero Commando de Capital or the First Capital Command. What, what does that translate to? Does I mean, I don't know. Port- I mean, I know a little oh, bit of Portuguese, Portuguese. Yeah. but like, I mean, I guess prim- like, uh, first Premier command, command. Yeah, yeah. of the capital, like primeiro comando. Yeah, so that's the thing. You're Venezuelan. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah. So so uh, this is about Brazil. So it's not obviously not the same thing, but it, it's hard to find us South American. Yeah, too bad. Like, there's a a good friend and comic that Rafinha. Bastos, mm-hmm. who was like, I don't uh, know that guy. He used to live here and then moved to New York, but now he's in Brazil because of his family stuff and because of COVID. But he would have been great because he's like, he's like great and he's like very popular in Brazil too. But yeah, and all, who's your one? Who's uh, uh, Fabricio? 
Fabrizio, but he's Chilean. He's Chilean, yeah. But he's so, like famous in Chile. He's famous in Chile, yeah, yeah. Cool guy, never would have noticed. Yeah, so I don't really know anything about South America other than I've wor- learned and written about these things. Mm-hmm. So when I, if I ever say anything, I'm probably just going to be asking you a lot of questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, in I'd general, love to, I love to. Then and also like, yeah, I'm not like a yeah a crazy like I'm never I'm, just to disclaimer, I'm not a expert. Yeah, but I obviously but you I know more whatever, than I do. Yeah, whatever I'll know, yeah. I'll let you know. I'll be like, so, hey, you know. So here's my first question, right? Oh, jumped a little quick on that one. So here's my first question. In America, you know how, like, if you're in California, you go to Arizona, and then people go to Oregon, or people go to New York. In South America, are people, like, going to different countries a lot, or are you, like, staying in your one country? I, well, I mean, I think, you know, because of economy and because, of, like, people are, like, don't have that much money, I don't think people, people don't travel as much oh, internationally. Oh, interesting, yeah. So, uh, for example, in Venezuela, like, people... Like, uh, even when I was growing up there and stuff like that, like, if you didn't have that much money, you know, you would go to other states, you know, like, yeah, like, say, California, stuff like that, but you don't go internationally because, like, you know, South America is basically, like, the U.S. is basically, like, every state is, like, a country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it's, like, but it's not as easy to travel as how it is right now here or, like, in Europe with the European Union where even other countries, they have a union, so it's easy to go back and forth. But over there, it's harder because some countries have visas where you have to apply mm-hmm. and other stuff. So like, and it's so like if every state was uh, had like a border, like a country, yeah, completely on it. border. So it's like you can't just like walk in, like you know. Mm. It's kind of like going to Tijuana. Yeah, yeah, way, yeah. Literally like that. Like I mean, like it's obviously you get there's this pass, fast mm-hmm. pass, and stuff like that. So it's like that. So yeah, well, I for example in the countries that I've been to South America besides Venezuela has been Colombia and uh, Ecuador. Uh, and then that's it, you know, from South America, and then Central America into Mexico and Nicaragua and stuff like that. But but it's just like traveling; like you mm-hmm. gotta, you know, very have your passport. You yeah. know, it's this whole deal. Like it's not like easy. That's, that's exactly what I want to know. I had yeah. no idea about that. Okay, so we're just gonna start this bad boy off. We're talking about the PC or the, yeah, the PCC, and we're just gonna start in the first timeline. The cool thing about this guys is they are like in power right now. So they're in power in, in Brazil. Like as a government, like it's a like a government party. Well, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but essentially, they like meet with like the president to be and the last president every wow. time, and then they kind of like dis- They don't you don't know what's going on there, but why are they meeting with like yeah. the leader of this like well, terrorist organization? Kind of like what the guerrillas in Colombia were back in like in the nineties. Yeah, it's exactly. Where they like had all that so much power that yeah. they you know. Okay. Yep, and these guys are. Uh, they're getting a lot. They're even international stuff. But this is where they start, which is in 1992, October 2nd, 1992. Mm, yeah. The Karandiru Massacre, a brutal prison riot which ended with the military police intervention leaving 111 killed prisoners. That's crazy. 111. 111. Isn't that like a lucky number? Not, <laughs> yeah. not for that. Not for not that. For that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like triple snake eyes. Yeah. So they have 8,000 people at this. Oh, I'll just read the next thing. Yeah. Oh, shit. I keep burping the mic. Everyone always says that. <laughs> The Kairandiri prison in Sao Paulo was operational from 1956 to 2002, and at its peak, it was South America's largest penitentiary with over 8,000 inmates. Mm. It was shut down eventually because AIDS got so bad and the living cr- wow. conditions were just fucking crazy. Everyone had AIDS. Yeah. Everyone was dying, and like the, uh, like the uh, international yeah. governments had to come in and shut wow. it down. Yeah, that's like, uh, I mean, in Venezuela had one, which I don't know if it's, or Caracas in Caracas. There was, I forget the name now, but there was this prison who was also like, I think they shut it down because it was so like yeah. the conditions were so bad, you know, even for prisoners, you know, like they literally like having like one, 
you know, like bowl of rice a day. Yeah, in yeah. One, and 20 mm-hmm. people in one cell. I mean, like, and you so, I mean. So, like, economic-wise, how's Venezuela rating around, like, Argentina, Chile, Brazil, Bolivia, well, Colombia kind of thing? Venezuela is such a weird, it's like, it's such a weird country because even, like, the con- economy of it, I don't even understand that sentence. Even when I go, it's, like, even my mom was telling me, like, uh, that, you know, she lives over there and, like, but. So people like uh, she's getting her passport and she's just like and right now they're charging pretty much now everybody's using dollars because oh, okay, the, the Bolivar got so the value mm-hmm. like there's no like like if you're buying something you have to bring like a, like a million like <laughs> yeah, cash yeah. to buy like a, a yeah, yeah, like a, you know a soda mm-hmm. so it was ridiculous so now they're using dollars but like but but she was saying like it was crazy like how many people were paying you know like you know 100 or 200 bucks which is a lot over there but like so like over there the economy is like it's weird because it's like people survive always like it's mm-hmm. always like they're obviously not 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 living well but still they live well enough mm-hmm. so so right now the in terms of comparison obviously no i think uh chile is doing much much better right now in the economy wise argentina is not doing well uh with economy um I uh, I think uh, I mean Colombia was doing well, but now they're having some trouble. So it's like it's funny because yeah. like th- there's never Venezuela was very like one of the best countries economy and people were wanted to move during like the seventies, eighties, and early nineties. Mm-hmm. Like that's where people were going all the time. Now it's funny because now it's changed. Now Venezuelans are migrating to other countries like Mexico or Chile or Peru, or Ecuador, and uh, because over there now there's the economy is not well. Uh, and but also like if you have dollars, then you can you know pretty live sure, pretty yeah. pretty well. So it's so I'm, I mean I'm not I don't know right now like what's mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like obviously it's not doing well compared to other countries. But I think like I know Argentina it's not, it's doing, not doing well good. either. Yeah. Okay, so this was the uh, the Karandiru massacre, and as you can see here, uh, we can describe to them. It looks like a horror movie jail. Yeah. Thing. It's kind of like I think if like you know like um, what's that uh, what's that uh, zombie show? Uh, oh yeah, The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. Like yeah. if you're like if you pitch this for an episode, they go like, no, that's too much. Yeah, yeah. like that. That's yeah. not relievable. Like we don't want to be that bloody. Yeah. The, so the literal ground is covered in the cell block. I mean, the cell block looks literally as bad as you could have yeah. ever ever imagined. And there's guys' hands just kind of hanging out, and the ground is literally covered in pools of blood yeah no that's just i mean like I, I, uh, that's i mean going to prison is one thing but then going to that yeah that I mean, kind of that's thing that's like you're i mean you're basically dead or you're gonna have to like do shit that you're yeah. traumatized that you're yeah I mean, you have to join a gang i mean what do you do how do you survive in that man i mean i would just hope i'm guessing that um that my family paid me some money or something you know that could pay <laughs> someone off yeah like realistically, if I went down there or something, and like I went in a taxi and bought some drugs from somebody, and it turned out to be from some sitting, mm-hmm. I'd probably just hope that maybe my family could give me like a thousand bucks a month, I would guess, mm-hmm. and then just have that way. Otherwise, I might kill myself probably if I had to, <laughs> if yeah, I had to be like I in mean, there for like fifteen years. But also, years. it's like, how do you gonna? Because you gotta have people that take care of you or that you pr- you know that protect you because it's like yeah if you're by yourself well i meant like i would buy them oh, with the got, money got my it, family got sent got me got it, got it, got it. i would be like okay who's like the guys i gotta yeah. buy here here's yeah. my shit protect me i'll keep giving you money yeah, to yeah, like yeah. you got venmo, got venmo. <laughs> <laughs> you guys cash app you guys have the money <laughs> single thing 
All right, in 1993, a group of prisoners in the Taubate prison in Sao Paulo State formed a small mutual protection pact called the Capitals Gang. Their main goal is to fight oppression and to avenge the victims of the priest br- mm. brutality during the Carandira massacre. Mm. So, like, that, you know, that makes sense to me. So they started, yeah, so they, they got, so they started because they wanted to avenge yep. the killings of the... You know, of the, you know, all their friends, police. 111 yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? All, like three of these gangs so far have been because uh, someone was avenging someone's. The last one we did, the BNG one, this Filipino gang, the guy started the gang because his brother, who was 14, was picked up by the police. This was like in the 50s. And then the police shocked his genitals, like the kids genitals. And then the kid gets not gets away. They let him go. And then the kids just kind of all traumatized. So he's like, I'm just going to fuck with these cops for as long as I can. Yeah. And he starts like kind of beating him up and killing him. And then one day they go to his house in front of his whole family. They just every cop like three cops unload like a full clip into him. And then the kids who saw it were like, now we're going to. Now we're going to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's and that's the thing. I think most stuff happened because when when governments are like. Or the, the oppressors become so, pre- you know, like they're like, oh, you know, you're literally killing me. What are yeah. we going to do? We what have I, to fight back. I have to know? do something. So here, here we go. This is a question I always got to add. You know, also, I'm, I did the pre, pre uh, not requisite, but I said earlier, I don't know that much about South America. So are there like kind of, do you, are there, do you see a lot of gangs everywhere? Like just dudes in like. No, I didn't like, I mean, growing up in Venezuela and stuff like that, I never saw gang. I mean, there were any, there was never a thing about gang. There was. You know, you get robbed. I mean, yeah. there, that, there, actually, no, I'm lying. There were some gangs that you would hear and stuff like that, but it wasn't like a thing that was like... Like everyone's wearing blue t-shirts. Yeah, like, like Bloods and the yeah. Cribs and stuff like that. It's, but the gangs were mostly per, in the in like in the shanty towns, mm. like in the parts of like the what is favelas in, yeah. in, in, in Brazil, kind of like stuff. Like that's where like the gangs really control the stuff. Like where I was living and stuff like that, I mean, it wasn't a thing where like, oh, there's, yeah. you know, you got to wear this or you can't walk, you know. Are there like roaming militias like in the countryside? Like you're like, no, nah, don't drive in the middle of nowhere because you might. No, just- over, no, I mean, growing up, I mean, again, I haven't yeah. been in Venezuela, but when I was there and stuff like that, that was never a thing. I mean, it was more, the thing was more actually like you would, uh, if there, sometimes police would be like, yeah. you have to bribe them or stuff like that. So they were the ones that kind of like, you had to be careful or you had to be like, Oh, they're going to stop me. So, you know, they're going to ask for, for money or whatever. So here, you know, stuff like that. But so that, there is kind of like a militia or like or or like guerrillas like uh, like in Colombia yeah. at that time, which that was like the FARC, which is a that's those were the ones who were like in the jungle who were like, you know, who they're fighting against the government mm-hmm. but then also working with the, you know, with the Medellin cartel mm-hmm. and the Cali cartel and all that stuff, you know, so but that Venice. Now, I don't know. There's rumors that Venezuela has some of that now in Venezuela because the government that's right now has kind of like let them allowed to be there. Okay. 1994 to 2001, the Capitals gang is transformed into the first Capital Command. They rise in power by a series of assassinations of then-prison bosses, like different bosses, so they kill these other guys. Yeah, like the Mafia. In the meantime, government and law enforcement agencies are denying the existence of the prison gangs, including the PCC, calling it Mm. fiction. They don't want to look bad, you yeah, know. Yeah, of course, and that's always a bad thing. Instead of like, like go to the like solve the problem, but now now you're letting and w- like everything. Once you start letting something yeah. become big, then you've got a lump on you, and you're like, yeah. I'm just not gonna <laughs> fucking worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It's one fiction. Day, yeah, it's fiction. Don't worry about that. Yeah. It's not a real thing. 2001, the biggest prison right in Brazil's history. 
At one time, they had riots in 29 different prisons across Sao Paulo that involved more than 30,000 inmates. During the 17-hour revolt, 19 prisoners were killed and 77 were wounded. It all started when a few high-profile members of the PPC were fed de- found dead in a police van because guards, quote-unquote, forgot about them. Wow. But, but also, like, imagine that's how crazy how these gangs... I mean, that's why it's like gangs, mafia, stuff like that. Like, I was watching... You know, I've been watching The Sopranos, like, since the whole pandemic started. Yeah, like, I rewatched I did, it, too. I rewatched and it's... But it's like, my, like one of the things was like Tony Soprano could have been like such a great manager because mm-hmm. he was what it was, and like these people are like to organize a a, a riot of twenty nine prisons. I mean, that's literally like all the guys had to like, you know. Yeah, I can't even sell out a belly room show. <laughs> <laughs> this guy organized twenty nine riots. Yeah, I'm trying to like sell out every time we go in the room. Like, can I get some people? This motherfucker's like at twenty nine cities they selling even, out. Yeah, they can't even talk to each other. Yeah, they somehow did it. Um, so Brazil has the world's third largest prison population with more than 700,000 people in jail, not counting the more than 35,000 held in police facilities. Prisoners, uh, the prisons suffer from overcrowding with the number of prisoners almost double that of the official capacity. So everything's just too too packed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Many prisons are run by the inmates and frequent clashes between gangs. Yeah. So like, yeah, I was actually, actually a- asking you that earlier. So cops are, there is a, uh, hostile uh relationship with the people yeah. and cops i think well and that's the thing i think that's the thing about uh when the di- big one of the big differences between when i moved here to living in venezuela and i think maybe in latin america that's how it is like the respect that people have with cops or the law enforcement is non-existent in in south america or mm. like in venezuela for example like because they're they're First of all, like it's not a thing that you grow up to be or that you want to be. Yeah, if your friend was like, "I'm gonna you're, be a cop," yeah, it's weird, like, right? Yeah, because so there also so one thing so it's like it's not it's looked down upon. Mm-hmm. It's also like people. So then the people who are get in there, they don't get paid well enough, and then also and then a lot of them, yeah, they're people that are like poor, or like comes from or then so there's like it's a lot of closeness to people that could have been in gangs, mm-hmm. have gangs or like. No, Families and gangs, and gangs yeah. and stuff like that. So, so it becomes a thing where, like, yeah, like cops are not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. Like, here you get pulled. You're scared because if you get pulled over by a cop, it's like, oh fuck, I got. I go to jail. Yeah, or or even like, oh fuck, I was doing fast, I'm gonna get a fine or you know mm-hmm. whatever. Over there, if you get pulled by a cop, you're like, fuck, I'm, well, I'm definitely gonna get money or mm-hmm. what? I'm, I mean, you don't know why, you know. So it's it is a scary in terms of you know shadiness and stuff like that because. There's not that respect that that yeah. people have. I mean, it seems it. like it's a gang down there. Yes, pretty much. I mean, yeah, they're like their gang. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, and then that's the worst because I think literally why this whole actual gang started because the police gang beat a bunch of people and they're like, oh, you want to beat us? Now we're gonna form now our they're gang. Going back. Yeah. Exactly. In 2002, a bank robber, Marcos William Herbas Camacho, aka Marcola, becomes the new leader of the PCC. Mm. He reforms the PCC, changing its structure into a criminal model allowing the pcc to go beyond prison wow. walls so this guy right here so i would go number become? how did he get it that's what i was about to, oh, okay. i was about to ask that next uh, we'd like to talk to you like you think it was a fucking show of hands or this guy murdered i know that's what i mean a like, lot of how people do you, like how do you well i mean i guess math i mean like mafia like they he probably started from young and then he's, mm-hmm. you know the rank because it's all a pyramid scheme i mean or pyramid uh, yeah like way of like mm-hmm. You it is, is a pyramid you, scheme. It is a pyramid. It's exactly know. the same. They function on the same way. Yeah, they function. Money the same goes way. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, number one, pretty handsome dude. I would say. 
yeah, looks I pretty mean, in I, shape. Yeah, you could tell that he's like. I mean, you could tell that he's like a leader. A leader. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, here we go, Francisco. You just got named the leader of the PPC. Mm-hmm. What's some of your strengths and weaknesses? You, I'm think actually the leader of the OPP because. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what am I? <laughs> My what? My strength and weakness. weaknesses. Do you think would be a leader of like a giant gang? Wow! If you well, just got thrusted in it right I now, I think the def- weakness. I would be like, I'd be like, well, I don't kill anybody. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no bad stuff. No bad stuff. <laughs> I'm like, hey guys, but like, I think strength. I think it would be good to be like, I could definitely organize people. I'm very good at like organizing and 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 like putting people, like casting people. Be like, mm-hmm. you're good for this. You're good for this. You got to do that. Like a and producer keep, and yeah, and people. And keeping people accountable and stuff like that, and then, and then also even with that, you know, budget-wise or stuff like that, I'm like, if money comes in, and I'm like, so I, I like I, I'll be good at that. But like in terms of like murdering if I people, have to murder, like I'd be like, well, I'd definitely have somebody to do that. And I mean, you know. yeah, I could. I mean, I could definitely. I think I could kill someone if it need be. Yeah, I think I think I have that inside. Why, me. Why'd you look at me? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, is this happening right now? <laughs> no, no, I just, like, I think, I think, well, like I think if everybody I this, would. Yeah, yeah. I think in that, I mean, yeah. I if mean, if I'm in a, in my yes, gang, yeah. I mean, yeah. If I'm, if I'm born into that, then yes, obviously, like that's, you know, you would do it, and I think that's kind of like the nature of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you grew up and it's like this is how I do it, but. God, could you imagine being one of those prisons? No. In 2002, Marcola meets his new cell, cellmate, Chilean criminal, Marcio Hernandez Norambuena. And this is in Brazil? This so is in Brazil, a, yeah. A cellmate in, from Chile? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they actually say that's really funny because you know everything. He's actually going to get deported in a little bit later. Uh, this guy was the head of, he was the former head of the Manuel Rodriguez Patriot Front, which specialized in guerrilla fighting against the Cuban army and terrorism. Mm. Do you know what that is? No, but I could, I mean, nah. I mean, I'll yeah. tell you right now. Okay, cool. Originally, uh, it was founded in 1983 as the armed wing of the Chilean mm-hmm. Communist Party and was named after the hero of Chilean's war, uh, the independence against Spain. The group splintered into two factions in the late 1980s. One faction became a political party, and the other one became a terrorist group. Mm, yeah, because, I mean, like, Chile was run by uh, Pinochet, which was a dictator till like, the 90s. Yeah, like just the, like that's a cl- the the oldest dictator that was running a country, and like so there's and there's still like because I talked to Fabrizio, and he's like, yeah, there's still like you know communist you know communists and stuff like that thinking of stuff like that because of what were they brainwashed or like they kind of like Chile at that time they were it, like it was kind of I think it's a both. It's like yeah, if you're part of the the thing is like when you're in a dictatorship, if like if you're with the government, yeah, you're living great and you're like that's that true. like that. But like once you're not, then you're like. Yeah, getting like killed sucks. and yeah. disappear and like and torture and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's the thing. I mean, because Venezuela had I always remember this because like Venezuela had a dictator who was his name was Perez General Perez Jimenez General. And he was like, I don't know how long, but it was in the 50s. But throughout that time, Venezuela, like he did like the he created highways, he created all this stuff that's like still people using, especially in Caracas is because of this guy. So like. I remember, like, growing up, I remember my, my grandparents or my parents talking about, like, oh, yeah, he, like, when he was going, Venezuela was so good. Mm-hmm. But he was still a dictator. Yeah. So it was, like, and then that's why he obviously got overthrown and, you know, and democracy came in there. But, like, but that's what happened. It's, like, people, yeah, it works. It's the same thing that's happening, like, in Russia with Putin. Yeah. I mean, like. They're doing yeah, pretty well right now, a, I think. They're doing well. Yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> obviously people like it. And then they're, like. And then, but then, obviously, if you're against it, then you're like, there's no rights. Yeah, yeah. You know? You're gonna be killed very shortly. Yeah. Right now, the um, 
Manuel Rodriguez Patriot front only has about 100 people in it. So, oh, okay. They went down a little bit. So, uh, I already asked you the militia thing. That was going to be the question. From 2002 to 2003, Marcola and Norm Buena together plan a few terrorist attacks. So, are they, are they in jail right now or are they out? They're in time. jail. They're, they kind of so are in jail the whole time. All the, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like they're in jail the whole time. Um, they're running everything from jail. And the and you'll see later why a lot of these uh, big uh, riots happen is because the government goes, we're going to start trying to move them around. And then they go, uh, no, you're not. And they literally kill like 300 people in the streets oh, wow. or stuff like that. Gets gets really with there, it gets really fucking crazy. Marcola and Norm, where, Norm Buena together plan a few fair. T- Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is one of those days, I guess, huh? I'll just skip that. I already said it earlier. <laughs> March seventh, two thousand two, an automobile loaded with four hundred kilograms of power gel, which is explosives, ex- uh, was parked in front of the Barra Funda Forum, where five thousand people worked. Another seven thousand transit each day. Due to the device flaw, it uh, failed the attack. And this was created by them? Them too, yeah. To so Why? Uh, you know, what they, they combined, Marcola was a bank robber. Yeah. And the other guy was like a gorilla. Yeah. So, like, together, they start, they go the gorilla route first, but then Marcola, Marcola actually does, he plans one of the coolest fucking heists that have ever been done oh, really? throughout time. Essentially, I, we'll cut a little bit right now. I mean, we'll just say it. So he starts a fake company, hands out flyers, makes merch next door to a bank, and then he u- he starts returfing the place next door and uses that. Uh, so he, he set us a business next to the bank. He starts, starts flyering the fucking neighborhood, dog. Wow. And he has a hat that goes like Marcola's cola ga- ga- gla- yeah. uh, shit, and he's handing out fucking pens, and he's handing out fucking uh, bracelets. Yeah. And then he's actually putting sod down, and then we'll get the rest into it later. Wow. So what we do here is we go through a timeline, and then at the end I do four of the biggest things in this timeline. We do like a okay. page on each one. Cool. So we'll go a little bit deeper on those. So they guys fucked up that one, and then in 2002 they also failed to bomb the Sao Paulo Stock Exchange. Mm. So what happened was Marcola kind of took the lead on this one. He was like, we can swing votes in election for Sao Paulo's government if we topple the economy and get the leftist people in there. So mm. at this point they're already like pushing real hard left. Got it. And, and are these – Candidates that they're pushing. They're gone. Oh, you can go. Uh, yeah, are they are they known? Are they, like, do they know them? Why or like, how do they become? I think they just start paying the money. I okay. think they were easily to get. It. Okay. I think the people in power already were getting money from other people in power, so it's like hard to go. Got it. To like you know, someone and pay them money when they already get their life is already good and everything. So got they were it. like, we'll get the other guy. No one gives a fuck about. Start helping him out. Got it. Got it. And so the reason they did that is they thought if they blew up the stock exchange, it would uh, make a left-leaning candidate go in there. Mm. But they failed on that one. Mm. And eventually, Norm Buena is extracted back to Chile. Okay. In August 6, 2005, Banco Central burglary Fortaleza. Mm-hmm. This is sick. Uh, we go into it a little later. But this was the one where the, the PCC was involved in one of the largest bank heists in the history of the world. They had a group of 25 wow. people steal over 70 million dollars wow u.s i mean not the money but that's how much it was in u.s that's for a terrorist group to now have 70 million dollars and yes and 20 and how how do they do it like did they uh, oh i'll go into okay, it later got it, got it. that's one of the ones have you, going to. have you watched the show uh the it's a spanish show about the heist yeah the heist one i saw the first episode but then i was watching with my girlfriend and she can't like 
uh, read the caption. Yeah, I mean, she like I, can't, I think she. I'm not saying she can't read, but I just don't think she yeah, likes doing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like especially you speak another language. I'm guessing reading stuff like that mm-hmm. can really translate real mm-hmm. fucking quick mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. So here we go. Have you ever stolen anything? Uh no. I mean, not really, man. I'm really. really I'm. I, I think. No, I even feel bad if I took like a can, like even mm-hmm. if I eat like a grape out of like Trader Joe's or something. <laughs> like I feel bad after one afterwards. cotton candy one. You're like, just charge yeah, me for one grape. Yeah, I just yeah, I never. I, and it's funny because especially growing up in Venezuela, like everybody, like you in a way have to survive to do like deals because if no, you don't do them, then you can't fucking do anything. Yeah, you're so left like, out. but there's some stuff that I like. Even there was a time like in the early 2000s and stuff like that where people were doing a thing where like you would go like you would say they were, you were getting money from the government but then like to to study abroad or whatever and then but then you were kind of keeping the money it was like mm. this whole thing and like this guy told me and my sister to like hey if you want to do it you can just get money and like and i could you know just we didn't do it. do it it's just so i yeah i'm i'm all i'm very oh this is a funny story in high school we were gonna me and my uh my friends were gonna actually s- go to Best Buy and steal some games. Okay. So like, so we actually were it seems hard to do. We're trying to do this whole like mm-hmm. our Ocean's Eleven thing. <laughs> so I remember we like we put we grab a bag and we put like duct tape around the back so the whole so the whole bag was in, was gonna the alarm was in system wasn't gonna go. Does that work? Is that how it I don't know. <laughs> I don't Is know. That duct tape? Of course not. Alarms? I mean, we took the bus. You know, to go to drop us right at the Best Buy. My thing, I was like, well, I'll be the lookout. And I'm like, so my thing was to count the, the, uh, the, the fucking, the uh, traffic light. Like if it, you know, if it come red, you know, so people could run across the street and stuff like that. I think eventually with it, like the guys went up and they didn't do it. They got yeah. checked out. But it's like so stupid like all that bullshit just to steal some and it, and it was horrible like first of all our getaway was in a fucking bus, bus. yeah you have to wait <laughs> <laughs> that's not on time <laughs> oh fuck the bus ain't come all right here no, give me a second sir <laughs> yeah. here are the yeah here thank you all right so we should have timed it better if yeah you put your head in the cop car <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i mean i mean what about you have you yeah when i was a kid in you know, high school i used to steal from uh, this, this you, you ever heard of Burberry? There used to be these outlets. Mm-hmm. There's these outlets in this little like upper class area, and they, and and I would dress. I was kind of a shitty kid for a long time. I was kind of uh, and so, but I dressed like nice, you know, like I would have like a polo and like mm-hmm. some seven jeans and like some Sperry. So no one ever thought about me. So I could just go into this Burberry outlet, and what you would do is you would go shopping somewhere else, buy something, and be like, "Can I get a bigger bag?" And they give you a big bag. And then you go on the racks and you find what shirts don't have a uh, tag on them because mm-hmm. it is an outlet, so pe- they don't really give a fuck that yeah. much. Then you put your bag underneath the clothes and you just pop that down. It falls in the bag uh, and you keep looking. Uh, and then when I'm done, I grab the bag, walk out. So like junior year of high school, I was like dripped in Burberry. Oh. Like I had like $2,000 sweaters on wow. and stuff like that. It was ridiculous. That's crazy. It was cool. I mean, I've never stolen from a human being. Okay. Like I would never do that. Yeah, like like actually, give me your money. Kind yeah, of or just like go to someone's house and take oh, five God. bucks yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. or or I never just, stole just from still my from the from the from the man. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about them. <laughs> like when they were when the when the, uh, when the riots were here and people were just like messing. Oh, yeah, with like going on Target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. Give a fuck, dude. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day, they got so much money yeah, too. Yeah, and they're, they're well, that's kind of like the and that's funny because that's kind of the plot of that mo- of that show. 
the Spanish. Uh, oh, the heist so, one? Because, like, they still, for the, go- I, so, like, I get, uh, to the, uh, you know, they still money that the government has, kind of like the stock, like mm-hmm. the Fed or whatever. Yeah. So, it's like, fuck it, we're not stealing from, yeah. like, people that actually need the it's money. insured. Or something, I guess. Yeah. That's what they tell me. So from May 12th to the 17th and July 12th to the 17th, 2006, there is uh, two different spots of large violence in Sao Paulo. The leaders of the PCC were ordered to be moved to maximum security prisons. This decision unleashed riots in dozens of prisons across the district, as well as multiple acts of violence on the street, including over 500 attacks on police stations. Wow. 50 police officers were killed. The PCC warned that if the officials that if their leaders were uh, to be moved, they will promise the World Cup of Terror Fuck. as Brazil meant to host the World Cup next year. Here's my thing. Is there any statement more Brazilian than I the know. World <laughs> Cup yeah, of yeah, something? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, it's like, oh, you want to know? We're going we're gonna, to, yeah, it's like. You have to make it to soccer. It's going to yeah, be the, yeah. the Jogo Bonito of terrorism. It's like we will assist in the death of millions, like a pass from Neymar to Casemiro. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the, crazy. Yeah, the government didn't move them, and so this is the first time that the PCC start to realize that they can, um, they can influence. influence. Like the yeah, because and it's cr- yeah because how crazy is that? Also, like first of all, like these people that are doing all these things for from the leaders of the people. Like, it's funny, like, how people, like, just, like, you're putting your life on the line mm-hmm. for some gang that you're, like, so it just. But what else are you going to do? You're not going to be the cops because no one that's true. Yeah, you're like, going to be the cops. The, yeah, so and I've, they've probably been a dickhead to you. And then. Yeah. Maybe your they, dad was in these guys, you know. It's, I mean, this gang is literally, I wrote this down. It's just like when, like, a bad kid learns that if he can scream. Then he'll get what he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now, and because the parents just like, well, I just wanted him to stop screaming. Yeah. And guess what? He's gonna start doing way more crazy shit. Yeah. Than screaming. In 2006, there's an aggressive expansion where uh, the PCC conquer new territories, make truce and alliances with smaller gangs and criminal organizations, and they increase their presence abroad, especially in Paraguay and Bolivia. Oh, shit. October 2006, the PCC. This is crazy. The PCC influenced a Brazilian presidential election by executing a shutdown of Sao Paulo in hopes of swinging votes to the Workers' Party's candidate. This violent outbreak, during which 293 attacks on police stations and government buildings were noted, has suddenly ended with, a no, uh, with negotiations with the Marcola guy. Mm-hmm. So it's Marcola, the new presidential candidate, and the old governor of Sao Paulo, wow. Geraldo Alckmin. On top of that, one journalist was kidnapped, and they took over the studio called Rede Global TV. Mm-hmm. This is like Global's kind of like, I from what I know, it's kind of like say NBC mm-hmm. or CBS, like a big network that in the whole country. Yeah, so they took over it, and they just start running messages to their voters Fuck. for the guy's name's Lula. Luis. You that's, know that guy? Yeah, that's guy. That's the guy who's yeah. He's the he's one still that, in there. No, he he's in jail. And oh, <laughs> but I but I think now he got out and he wants to run again, or some shit like that. But like, yeah, he's he's the one. Well, because Chavez started this whole left thing, mm-hmm. Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, and then Lula and Chavez were really good buddies, and that you know, and so he like, just ran off his coattails. Yeah. yeah, it's speculated that Marcola promised during the negotiation efforts to decrease street violence in general, and as of 2006, violence rates have dropped significantly. That's crazy. Like the guy who creates the violence, like yeah, all right, no more violence. It's, I mean, it's very Gotham City. Yeah, you it know, is. Like that's, I mean, that's where you need a Batman, really. So this is my thing to you. I'm gonna ask you a question here. So last week I did because we just saw the one this government right here, Sao Paulo's district. They negotiated with the with the game. Do with the game. Now what happened in El Salvador? El Salvador's 
butt fucking wild right now. Yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know what's fun, but I know because of but, the gang. Yeah, the, yeah. the gang shit's crazy. So what happens is uh, they were kind of being cool to the gang, but the gang was still going wild. So the new administration came in because the old administration was like, we'll kind of work with you guys. Got it. New administration was like, fuck that. We're going. We're going to bust your ass. Got it. So then they sent police into all the barrios and the favelas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they just start, the police just start kicking the shit out of everybody. And then gang violence goes insane in one month in august i think it was 2016 they had 900 murders fuck and this is murders of who like, it's gang members anyone they dude they they shot like 500 bus drivers so this is my question to you wow you're the fucking government right now mm-hmm. do you work with the bad guys because you know first time like we yeah. just said first time the guy now learns he can fucking inf- yeah. he can fucking tell you what to do yeah. or do you go after these guys super hard and you fuck up their neighbors and then that's spawning people to hate the government more yeah. and create more gangs? That's, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it, it comes with timing because if, like, if you go to the, where you're already, where they're big enough, mm-hmm. I mean, that's where, like, if you're, like, knowing that little gangs are starting, that's where you got a little, like, yeah. like a virus. You yep. got to, like, stop it before it gets spread. But once it's big enough, now you really have the only ways to negotiate. You, I think you have to negotiate. You can't. You can't because I think you already lost. You already, unless I mean, unless uh, the the you know your the military is so strong that you can literally like like do a battle mm-hmm. and it's just numbers. Like there's five thousand gang members and there's five hundred thousand mm-hmm. military members and you go all right. We're just gonna uh, go. You know that's. Or you get the help from s- someone like the U.S. and now the U.S. holds it over you yeah. for the rest oh, no, of time. Yeah, no, and that's yeah, that's another one when they're like, because like, that's not yeah, that's the thing. The U.S. is not gonna do any for free, dog. They can get yeah. All right, now we get bases here, mm-hmm. or we get do this and stuff like that. I mean, that's I mean, a way it's kind of like what's happening in Venezuela, not with gangs, but like when people go like, why can the government like or people like why like why is it so hard to get rid of the government because the government has. First of all, there's no like the the gun culture is not like here. Like, yeah, not everyone's armed. No. Mm-hmm. So the only ones that are armed are really the military or police and stuff like that, which are bought by the yeah. government or paid by the government. So it's kind of like there's nobody. I mean, like unless one opposition comes and it's really like, yeah. you know, well, yeah, they start a weird militia in the fucking yeah. jungle so they to, can't be attacked. Yes. And he has to start from the yeah. same military because mm-hmm. they're the ones who only have. Yeah, it's access to guns and know like, how to no, use them and all. I know shit. how to. Normal people in Venezuela, they don't have anything. That's so great, man, that you brought that up right now. Because this right here. So before this point, the PCC, uh, you know, they have guns and stuff like that, but they're not really fucking around with the real shit. And this one is where they find it. In 2006, a gang leader, Farouk Abdul Hey Amari, who has ties to Hezbollah, is arrested by the Brazilian pres- police. In the prison, he gets protection from the PCC and is used as a Hezbollah wow. representative. The PCC makes a deal with Hezbollah regarding arms right. and drugs. So essentially, this guy goes to jail. He's a leader of Hezbollah. I'll explain what Hezbollah is in a little bit. Essentially, a terrorist organization mm-hmm. from Lebanon. So what the PCC does, they go, we're going to hook you up. You're going to start giving us Israeli military weapons. Mm-hmm. We'll start giving you cocaine. Yeah. And now you got... A terrorist organization in Brazil. I mean, international international ter- working together. I mean, that's why every time I see like, I mean, I'm always love this like movies like how uh, this you know like there. The, I don't know if you started. I started watching yesterday. Cocaine Cowboys. No, I haven't seen the new one yet. All right, I've seen all the rest, all right. but I'm I'm waiting to watch the, the new the, one. With my yeah, girlfriend, yeah, she loves that kind of stuff. So, 
but just I mean I'm not giving you anything but like yeah. how these people like they always meet they always actually is in prison like they're yeah. the ones like they're, uh, it's always like I didn't know anybody and then I met this guy and now we became this whole it's like so prison is always, it's always bad too because they're like actually putting, prime college man. It's, a, it's a conference yeah. it's like Vegas mm -hmm. like they'll go to Vegas to a conference and like oh you guys want to work together you know and so, you build a real bond because you're real, with the yes, fucking guy and you're not, and saving because yeah. the PCC actually told those guys like you're gonna get killed here mm -hmm. if we, we're the protectors so like so it's crazy how like so if like you don't the prisons actually are making things worse we're making things somehow. worse yeah so it's like what do you i mean it's all these things are like rock and hard place so if you don't know what the hezbollah is i wasn't really quite sure hezbollah is a shiite muslim political party and militant group based in lebanon where it's extensive security apparatuses political organization and social services network fostered its reputation as a state within a state Founded in the chaos of the 15-year Lebanese civil war, the Iran-backed group is driven by its opposition to Israel and its resistance to Western influence in the Middle East. So, like, you're just not run-of-the-mill, but, like, what you pretend uh, a terrorist organization is. Yeah, like a Middle Eastern Yeah, Middle Eastern terrorist organization. Yeah. With its history of carrying out global terrorist attacks, parts of Hezbollah, and in some cases the entire organization have been designated as a terrorist group by the United States and many other countries. In recent years, long-standing alliances with Iran and Syria have embroiled the group into the civil war in Syria, where its support for Bashar al-Assad's regime has transformed Hezbollah into an increasingly wow. effective military force. So these guys went from a fucking, fucking terrorist organization to a military force yeah. for Syria. Well, that's, I mean, that's what happens. It's kind of like mercenaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you're in a, a mercenary. Way, they're getting paid yep. by the government to, hey, go kill these people. You know, like, I mean, literally, like, same thing, like, what those, uh, uh, the Gladiator uh, movie, when, like, they, they're, they're going to into battles, and yeah. the guy goes, like, just, oh, no, sorry, it was uh, not Gladiator, the Patriot, where the guy goes, like, go send the Scottish or the Irish so they get killed, who cares? Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they want them to fight the battle for them, but not the English. Yeah. You know, it's like literally it's like send those people, they'll kill. And if they also, get killed, who cares? Yeah, and also the Syria guy, I mean, uh, Bashar oh, he's, like, he's horrible. Yeah, he probably don't have much else left, too. Yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. like, I'll just go hire some terrorists. Yeah. And that's true. I need to, because that probably doesn't have that much military. Yeah, he ain't got left shit left. Yeah. I mean, his country looks like a shithole. I mean, no offense to Syria, but from the pictures. Don't yeah. want to don't want a vacation there. Yeah. But with Lebanese politics and upheaval over mass discontent with the ruling class and the U.S.-Iran tensions rising, Hezbollah's role in Lebanese society may change. All right, so we are getting pretty close to the end of the timeline and on to a couple stories. Then the stories are great because it's just an insane amount of information that we got. 2011, wiretaps foiled plans to assassinate al Uh He was just one of the governors or some shit. Um, nah, we don't need that. We've been talking enough. 2012, spiral of violence between police and the PCC. The PCC has avenged executions of their members, which resulted in a brutal spiral of violence as police officers seek revenge, too. In 2012 alone, the PCC killed 300 people in Brazil, 100 of which were police officers. Wow. So this one is a big thing right here. Uh, in 2016, they did an assassination of the drug lord and trafficker Jorge Rafat Tumani. Uh, he's a nearby Brazilian-Paraguayan border, which marks intentions of crossing the border. And it's the drug trade by the PCC that they're saying it's their place. So this guy, um, he is a prominent businessman. He's just a big drug dealer. He's a really yeah. big drug dealer. Um, on June 15th, this is how he's killed. From uh, Brazil? Yeah, from Brazil. And he's from another gang, too. So remember when I said, when we talked about Hezbollah giving them better weapons? Yeah. It's a coincidence that this happens after uh, that. 
Oh, cat. God damn it, cat. On June 15th, at least 10 men wielding rifles and a 50 cal machine gun unloaded 200 rounds on a vehicle driving on a public road in Paraguay's eastern border, city of Pedro Juan Calabrero. The vehicle was armored, but it was no match for the heavy fire. Businessman Jorge Rafat Tumani was killed in the ambush, and five others were injured. Wow. The aggressors made off on foot, leaving behind the machine gun, ammunition, bulletproof vests, and a bunch of other shit. Um, everyone says it's the PCC. So check out what they're using now. Coming from a prison gang, revenging their 111 dead brothers to this thing. Wow. So essentially, it is a, uh, it's like a, it's a Chevy Tahoe, I would, I would guess. And they strapped on a fucking tank, anti-aircraft. That's the one that just goes. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. the kind on when you when you're thinking of it, where a guy stands behind one, yeah. and it's they hooked it up. Schwarzenegger, ladies' yes. movie. Yeah. yeah. Da, da. Yep. And this is like an anti-aircraft one, and they hooked it up inside of what looks to be a Chevy Tahoe. Looks like wow. one guy was murdered there. You saw uh, blood yeah. all over everything. Wow. And looks like when they got next to the guy, they busted out the window. And unloaded 250 cal bullets in this guy's fucking place. Jeez. And like that's, and it's funny because that's like, is there just, that's like a message. Because it's yeah. like, it's not killing the guy, but it's like, oh, we're going to show you, destroy you. Like, you know. So. And then they leave it. It's like, not yeah, only is this thing, to show I can fucking get yeah. another one of these yeah, yeah. in two seconds. I left. They're not even like prints or nope. anything. They don't give a shit. I don't give a that. fuck, yeah, dog. Yeah. You're not going to get me because I probably got 50 of these fucking things. Yeah, and yeah. your military probably doesn't. Yeah. 2016 to 2017, a war starts with the PCC and the other Brazilian crime organization, Commando Vermelho. Uh, that's uh, over this. So uh, the other guy. Because okay. oh, the other guy belonged. Yeah, Jorge Rafat Tumani was there, uh, the Commando Vermelho's okay. main guys. 2016, the start of the war, 2017 in January. The man is prison riot, the deadliest prison riot since 1992's Karandiru. At least 60 inmates wow. uh, were killed, many of them decapitated. In a prison and riot. this is because of that? Because of yeah, the, they start, the two gangs? Now they're in the gangs together, and now they hate each other even more, so the gangs start attacking each other. Um, so most of those were beheaded. There was a 17-hour riot broke out on Sunday and lasted through the night as a prison on the outskirts of Manaus, the capital of the Amazonian state, Sergio Fontes. The public security secretary of the state said, this is the biggest prison massacre in our state's history. Jeez. Many victims were decapitated, and they all suffered a lot of violence. Authorities have counted 60 bodies for that so far, all of them inmates. The head of the state's prison administration, Pedro Florencio, told journalists. Um, yeah, so they were just... Uh, Ugh. He said uh, the one judge, Luis Carlos Vileos, uh, said many of the bodies were quartered, which means cut into fours, like, uh. a, like a pig. I've never seen anything like that in my life. All yes. those bodies, all that blood. So the negotiations at the end for the prisoners to give up, they said, uh, please do not transfer us and make sure we're not kept, we're not attacked, or kept, and they get to keep wow. their visitation rights. That's, uh. Okay, here we go. There's a prison break. What's your move? Are you getting some revenge on guards, other enemies, trying to escape, or locking yourself in your cell and hope no one I'm is? I'm going, I'm doing the Andy Dufresne. I'm going <laughs> to the shitter and getting the fuck out. <laughs> I'm trying to run, too. Because yeah. I do think South America would be a place you could you could run from. No, from yeah. Jail. I mean, like, why am I, I'm not getting, I mean. Yeah. I mean, also, it's, well, it also depends on, like, what, why I'm in, they're in prison for. Because if it's, like, let's, hey, if it says, it's like, hey, you got one month and you're out. Or you're not there, like, um, 
or you're you're not guilty, but you're there, you're there, mm-hmm. not you know. Then it's like, well, if you're wrong, then now you're committed, fucked, yeah. you're fucked, you know. So it's like, but if you're there because you actually committed a crime, it's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it. I'm running. Or or it could be, or again, the end of the frame, you you know, leave because you're gonna be there forever, and yeah, uh, but you're not guilty, but. I'm out. I'm running. I'm running in the fucking jungle and yeah. ride one of those. Uh, what those yeah. What are those little? What are those big ass guinea pig things? Uh, capoeira. Capoeira. Yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna ride a capoeira to freedom. <laughs> <laughs> 2017. Uh, the PCC does a bank heist in Paraguay's Cuidad de Este, and it's worth almost forty million dollars. It is said to involve an army of foot soldiers, sniper rifles, anti-aircraft guns, explosives, Fuck. and high-powered speedboats. I mean, it's a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. I think we're going to get into that one. All the big ones, we get into the three, and each one is like about a half a page. It's pretty great. 2018, the police foil a big-scale operation uh, plan involving military-grade equipment, helicopters, and foreign mercenaries. 2019, on an order of President Bols. Sanoro. Yeah, that's the current one. That's like the Trump of Brazil. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I haven't heard good things about that. Yeah, no, he's the same. Like, well, the whole with the whole COVID stuff, he was like, yeah, I'm not. uh, Don't who cares? It's bullshit. And then Mm. he got sick. And then he even if he got sick, he's still like, like, you know, so like it's it's very sick. Brazil's very divided. Yeah. Because of that. So uh, what he. Bolsonaro says is he's going to go Marcola and all the other high-ranking individuals. He moved him to a supermax. There was an immediately another war ignited. Mm. Um, 62 people died. Around 7 o'clock in the morning while breakfast was being served, violence broke out after members from the CCA gang housing at one block set... set from f- the creative arts. <laughs> <laughs> That's a gang. Yeah. Andy Farrag's there just, uh, <laughs> just hanging out. In <laughs> <laughs> one block set fire to another block, which housed members of the Commando Velmero gang. According to local officials, Jarebos Velascalos, I can't say that one. Two prison guards were initially taken hostage, but are released after the fire had been lit. The police forces could not enter the building due to the fire. The fire lasted five hours, ending at noon. During uh, the prison searches, no ar- firearms were found, but people said people were getting shot. 57 people were initially reported dead. 16 were beheaded, while the others died as a result to smoke inhalation. The prison's poor design meant the fire could spread more rapidly. A charred body was later found buried under the rubble by the Institute of Forensic Medical of Pada. The death toll con- continued to rise to 62. January 2020, 76 prisoners escaped through a tunnel in Paraguay. Wow. Get to that. Paraguay? From Brazil? Or in, in Paraguay? In Paraguay. I think, that's, I think the PCC have gone to Paraguay and Bolivia oh, now. Oh, got it. March 2020, another breakout. One of Sao Paulo's prisons released hundreds of inmates. Uh, because of the corona. Mm-hmm, and the corona. And last but not least, April 2020, drug trafficker Gilberto Aparecido dos Santos, a.k.a. Fermino, a close friend of Marcola was arrested in Mozambique. Mozambique doing drug deals for guns in Mozambique. Wow. That's how big these motherfuckers have got. That, Iran. International. Yeah, international. I mean, that's, that's real international, too. That ain't like, there ain't nothing connecting you. No, no. That's, You're on a boat or a fucking plane, dog. That's that's nuts. That's that's crazy. Like yeah. How, how they grew in what, the, mean, what 2020s? They started in 92. 20 years. 30, or, no, no, 38 years. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a good career. That's like a Bill Burr kind of career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's performing. Yeah, that's like, hey, I'm performing in Mozambique. He's like, fuck, you're doing well, bro. I'm selling yeah, you got out Mozambique. Mozambique people? Shit. You're selling out Mozambique? I don't know. A podcast went to Mozambique. <laughs> 
Okay, here's the uh, kind of like uh, the syllabus for the gang. This is their backbone yeah, of their yeah. gang. Their CV. Yeah, yeah, their ideological profile. Uh, they're, what they want to do is protect prisoners against corrupt guards. Okay. The idea of equality amongst prisoners. Anyone can join no matter what family, ethnicity, or maximal inclusion. There's a criminal fraternity. Members call each other brother. Or mouse. Or mouse. Or mouse. Yeah, they, they, I've noticed Brazilians always kind of well, do is that. that is, and they is, go, is, body, yeah, body. Yeah, because Brazil, like the Portuguese is always like, eu falo português, e hablan assim. And so, in, like, say, like, if I'm speaking with a Portuguese, eu falo assim, como está, tudo, how are you? Yeah, yeah and I'm like, because that's how they have, like, a little singing. Dingo, so, yeah. yeah. Mouse, tudo bem, é tranquilo, e banana, yeah. so like, I watch them on the... Uh, uh, UFC, the, the oh yeah, they had those all the, those the uh, Ultimate Fighter one. Yeah. They always go yeah body. They always say body. It's like <laughs> yeah, a yeah. I don't know if it's a tick or some shit, but every <laughs> dude goes body. So I want to do that in my body. Uh, <laughs> work to mention uh, that it implies solidarity, not gender exclusivity. As PCC is also in female prisons. Oh wow. They impose rules. So they're very inclusive. They're very inclusive. Yeah, it's really seems like I mean, they grew from trying to go against fucking. Well, getting like they said, you said the first thing about not uh, 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 violence against uh, yeah. prisoners. It, That's how it started, and they're kind of still doing that, other yeah. than the crazy um, terrorist stuff. Yeah. So they are the guys who make the laws within the prisons. Uh, they have a differentiated men membership model. Family members and ex-prisoners are obligated to pay a membership fee wow. for all resources and <laughs> services received during That's the incarnation. Crazy. According its to police documentaries. It is or documents. It's two hundred and fifty U.S. bucks a wow. month, which, which seems a lot. Which is what you were saying before. Like, if you're there, you need to pay them yeah. two hundred and fifty a month for the membership to Equinox, yeah. <laughs> to fucking, so you don't get killed. Yeah, I would pay that. I'll give them oh, five hundred. Yeah, no, dog. of course you have to. Like, what are you gonna do? Leadership structure. There's Marcola plus eight to ten board of directors at the wow. very top. Then they have overseers called towers. They have the capos, the capi, like in like in mafia, the capos. Yeah, the capos. It's all the same. Yeah. Triangle shit. Yeah. Then there's the admin department, the sintonias, and the lowest level disciples. Soldiers. Soldiers. Yep. It's just rebranding. Yeah. However, despite its hierarchical structure, the decisions are made collectively or at a local level. To open a local affiliate, one needs to get baptized, pledge allegiance to the PCC, abide by the group's strict enforcement bylaws, and pay union dues to the central okay. organization. And this is, and but you're there, right? You can't it, get out. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's like if we were like we were going to start a PCC in L.A., we would, I guess there's like a human or resources place we contact and then we, or we'd probably, I mean, I'm guessing you'd probably talk to a guy and you start giving them money like that. But if you're, but I'm saying like once you join, are you like Ever forever? Ever out? I don't know. Yours. Yeah, probably not. Um, they have a monthly raffle where the grand prize is a new car. That's a real thing that we What? Yeah. That's hilarious. He got a new car. Can't drive it because I'm stuck in prison. <laughs> yeah, or they're just telling him, dude, you want another car. Where is <laughs> it? Don't worry about it. I'll yeah, hold yeah, it for yeah. you. <laughs> Keep winning cars. <laughs> I've never seen them, though. Their numbers. The PCC controls 60% of Brazil's vast cocaine wow. market, valued at around $8 billion a year. The group, group counts for about 30,000 prison members. And authorities suspect that the criminal group, like the PC, are, PC, are behind almost half the 730,000 registered campaign donations wow. for mayoral and council elections across the country. Because most of the people that are giving these money are too poor to even give it. Yeah. Wow. All right. We got a uh, couple more cases and then we're almost done, buddy. Cool. Do you want to go to the bathroom or anything? No, I'm good. Okay. 
The Banco Central Heist at Fortaleza. This was the first one. On August 6, 2005, a few members of the PCC achieved one of the most sophisticated bank heists in history. Over a weekend, they managed to rob Central Bank of Fortaleza without triggering any alarms or rising suspicions. First of all, the thieves used a fake business selling artificial grass to set up an operation in a block building next to the bank. However, they did everything they could to make it not look too sketchy. They produced some advertisements. Leaflets were giving out free promotional baseball caps. You know how cool it would be to have one of those fucking baseball caps right yeah. now? Making an illusion of a real proper business. In one of the rooms, they started to dig a tunnel, a very mm -hmm. sophisticated tunnel, 80 meters long with electrical lighting, even air conditioning. Wow. The tunnel's interior was made with wooden panels. The entrance room was fully covered with cement powder to avoid leaving fingerprints by Jeez. mistake. The bank vaults were filled with two types of notes. New notes prepared to enter circulation and old notes prepared to be incinerated. The thieves only stole old ones because they were untraceable as serial numbers for old notes weren't kept in contrast to the new ones. Wow. In total, they managed to steal 164.7 million rice, which is $70 million, over 3.5 tons in weight. That's And how long does this last, this whole thing? Like I don't know. Ever since they started or until it happened? Like yeah, I, probably maybe a couple of days, I would guess. I don't 100% know. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, like, probably a day maybe? Said it? No, I'm saying setting up the business and like, like the whole the plan, long con, like, yeah. I mean, I would think like six months to a year, right? Like, it, like the whole planning of it since the beginning of like setting up the. I mean, you can't just like set up a business and be like, and right away start. Yeah, just giving out merch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, do not cause any suspicions. Yeah, but that's that's amazing. A heist in Paraguay's Cuidad del Este on April twenty fourth. 2017, the PCC accomplished one of the wildest heists in history, completely different in style than one in the Fortaleza. Not only it happened cross-nationally, but involved regular military-type skirmish. The Cuidad de Estes is an... By the way, it's Ciudad. Ciudad de Estes is an economical duty-free zone with special status in Paraguay, sitting just right behind at the tri-border where Paraguay, Brazil, and Argentina meet. It is a fool of big businesses, but the main target of the heist was a company called Proseguer, which specialized in securities, including crash transits. In the early morning of April 24th, around 50 men armed with military-grade equipment came out of a truck and assaulted headquarters of Proseguer, firstly using explosives to blow up the entrance. Then they spliced into smaller groups, regular fighting groups consisting of machine gunners, snipers, anti-aircraft units, prepared for the arrival of her helicopters. So these motherfuckers had anti-helicopter guns, and they had bombing squads to open the vaults. Wow. Quickly, the place changed into a war zone. Assailants were exchanging fire with security, local law enforcement, and military. They seized several armored trucks full of cash and tried to just drive off to nearby towns and move across the border river to Brazil by boats. The standout lasted around three hours, and as a distraction, 16 remote-controlled cars full of explosives scattered around place where, places where they were detonated. Wow. I mean, it's a... It's a, it's a Pretty good, the, dude. Uh, yeah, no, it's Call of Duty. Yeah, like, it's literally yeah like, it is. That I mean, I think that's bomb. how they get their ideas. Mm -hmm. like Call of Duty, they're, like, they're probably yeah. getting the ideas from the PCC, <laughs> like all those missions. Yeah, I'm going to be a camper. Uh, <laughs> you be a... Brazilian law enforcement were probably able to retrieve a fraction of the money stolen, about $8 million. Wow. Okay, we got two, we got three more. They're all pretty good, too, I think. Um, 
Marcos William Herbanas Camacho Marcola profile. So this is the leader we're going to learn a little bit more about here. The current leader of the PCC had a rough start. Born in the poor district of Sao Paulo, he became an orphan at nine when his mother drowned to death. Oh, well, that, I, I mean, that, I always, I'm, I'm always, every time I've, you know, there's somebody like that that becomes like a, you know, like a Pablo Escobar. I always like to go like, what happened? It's never good. It's never, yeah. So right there, nine years old, and your mother drowned to death. Drowned. You already, and you're, you're already not gonna, and you're coming from a poor. Yeah. Yeah. It gets worse too. Many members of his immediate family, including brother and later a wife, were killed. When he turned 14, he was arrested for pickpocketing, which marks his stif- st- start on his lifelong adventure mm-hmm. with the penitentiary. He goes to uh, the, uh, college. Yeah. Yeah. That's, he goes to college. Yeah. You know. And also, he's probably pickpocketing. Probably because he fucking has no one to take care of, of him. He's course. trying to eat. I mean, that's why I was like, where would you think that kid's going to become? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, because that guy's obviously very smart, so he could have become a CEO of mm-hmm. any company. But what are the chances that he can do that where if nobody's like... And have food. Yeah, no food or whatever. And like, I'm, I'm assuming when he was like that kid, like police were being assholes yeah. to him and stuff like that. So that's where the fucking anger comes, you know. And you just get led to this kind of stuff. Later on, he started to specialize in bank robbery. He got arrested several times, escaped fuse, f- prison a few times, got arrested again. He was a witness to the massacre in Kirindiru mm. prison in 1992. Eventually, he accumulated a sentence of over 44 years in prison, and then in 2000, got 232 years and 11 wow. months. He isn't religious, but developed some interest in philosophy and literature. He claims to read books from authors like Nitschke, mm. Victor Hugo, St. Augustine, and Voltaire. His nickname, Marcola, is a mix of his first name, Marcos, and Cola, which was Brazilian street slang for inhaling industrial glue. Oh, interesting. And it, so where is he right now? He's in jail. He's in uh, maximum security prison that the new uh, Brazilian guy uh, put him Bolsonaro? in. Bolsonaro? Yeah, Bolsonaro's oh, put him there. Oh, got it, got it. On October 2nd, 1992, at 10 a.m., a small brawl between two inmates playing a football match in the prison yard has occurred due to some disagreement. The entire situation quickly escalated as more and more prisoners joined the brawl and transformed into a riot. By 2 p.m., prisoners were creating barricades and burning mattresses, slowly taking over cell blocks. The guards were surprised. Instead of fighting back, ran away. Uh, wait, yeah, uh, again, there's n- an- another... Th- nothing more Brazilian than a prison riot starts because they're playing <laughs> soccer again. Like, yeah. it's like... Is, <laughs> right like we're gonna make this the world cup of prison riots I, I, I <laughs> administration has tried to establish negotiations but the communication has failed after one hour armed police troopers were green lighting to enter within the next hour and a half 111 inmates died some were even executed when trying to shelter under their beds on average each prisoner was shot five times on a side of the police forces, no one was killed or even hurt. It was a literal massacre, and this is how it usually uh. described by media. The event shocked not only the prisoners, but ultimately created an international scandal, which this very day is a very controversial topic in Brazil. Despite numerous long trials, accusations of human rights violations, and straight-up murder, media attention, all 74 officers were acquitted uh, of charges. Yeah. I mean, it's literally kind of like same thing like the Black Lives Matter yeah. here, like because it's like, just on steroids. <laughs> yeah, where you go like, dude, like these people came in, like they should have stopped the riot, but they just basically went like, oh, they're all prisoners, so we're just going to kill everybody. <laughs> and then there's no repercussions for the Fulligan uh, officers. I mean, that's where people go like, fuck you. I mean, 
I'm joining the PCC because of that. Shit. I mean, uh, it's 111 people. I'm gonna guess they're poor and probably didn't have contraception, so that's all their kids. And now that could be, you know, three, five hundred people now fucking hate the police because uh-huh. you killed their dad yes. and have probably were already poor, so we're gonna lean to a certain lifestyle. Of course. And it's just causing this crazy shit. Yeah. The judge argued that it was in self-defense, and the massacre is just media sensationalism. However, entire ordeal was strongly criticized by human rights activists, families. They claim that the investigation was botched. No al- analysis on ballistics was ever conducted, so it was impossible to pinpoint which person killed who. However, the verdict was annulled by Supreme Court on August 9, 2000, or 2021, which means accused officers were spend their time regardless. Oh, wow. So the cops did go this yeah, year. But too late. A little late. I yeah. mean, 92, 2009, yeah. I mean... Now look how big that gang, gang is. is. Yeah, I bet you the government was like, okay, okay, we'll do it. Yeah. Forty years yeah, later, those guys are probably dead mostly. Yeah, and also like now it's like, uh, you know, so many people in the gang. Like, if they would actually maybe make make all the officers guilty, like maybe the gang doesn't start. Maybe, yeah, or it's not as big as yeah, it is. Sure. Colonel Ubatarian Guimaraes was charged. Uh, was in charge of the operation that that day and. Um, he was even elected <laughs> to the Brazilian parliament in 2002. The darkly ironic fact is that he chose yeah. the, uh, oh, God, 111th seat. That is gross. The justice system never got him, but fate did in 2006 when he got murdered by an unknown assailant in a mysterious oh, circumstance. PCC. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is our last one, buddy. Thanks for coming in. This one should be pretty good. The war between the PCC and Commando Vermeiro. 19 or 2016 2017 and i think that means vermelio uh, i f- i th- i'm thinking it's either yellow the color yellow or green mm. so green commandos yellow i mean commandos? it's a color i feel like so okay. it's a green commando green commando yeah. or yellow commando both organizations have a long history of cooperating with each other as long as pcc stayed in sao paulo region and cv in the rio de janeiro mm. region there was no conflict yeah, which is the big cities. Mm-hmm. The two good ones, yeah. Um, however, PCC had a much broader ambitions, and since early 2010, started expansion to other diff- districts, converting in, uh, you know, killing people and stealing people. More and more prisons outside their initial sphere of influence. In early 2016, costs of trafficking increased, and the PCC decided to finally take over an entire drug trade between Brazil and Paraguay. They did it in a spectacular way. A joint group of 100 PCC members and their Paraguayan friends stopped an army convoy of powerful, unaffiliated tracker Jorge Rafat Tumani nearby Paraguayan border and shot his armored car with an anti-aircraft gun, killing him on the spot. That's what we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier. Obviously, this left other small and medium-sized gangs worried. They were right. Tensions between prisoners rose. First inter-gang murders occurred and all exploded on New Year 2017. That's interesting. I just never thought about that. Did you guys have the same New Year's? Down there, as we do up here, what, uh, what do you South mean? South America, like, like the same exact. I don't know. Chinese New Year is a different thing. Oh no, no, like no, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same, same calendar. calendar, yeah. Okay. It's just more. Uh, is December, it's hot where you guys are. Yeah, in Venezuela, it's always like the same weather as LA. Oh, okay. It's kind of like pretty good. Or like the same way, same weather in LA in the summer. Mm. So like right now, it's always the same mm. the whole year. Oh, but uh, but I was cool. gonna say for New Year's like. It's the same calendar day, but it's like it's more important than what it is, like how it's celebrated in the U.S. Like in Venezuela, for example, New it's Year's Day. It's a new, huge thing. It's a very fam- it's, it's the same as important as Christmas mm. in terms of family. Like 
like a lot of the things that you do is that you'd receive the New Year's with your family mm. and then you go party. But you go like, Happy New Year, uh, you know, you do the thing, you eat, whatever, and then one or two in the morning, that's when you go out. But like here, that's one of the very thing when I f first moved here, me and my family like in D.C., remember our first New Year's, and everybody was like dark and yeah. nobody was partying. We, we were like, this is so weird because... In, in Venezuela, it's Shit's like just going crazy. Part, like, and Brazil, I think it's the same. It's crazy, like it's very family, but it's also like party. Like you're gonna party the whole time. Right? That's awesome. In super overcrowded Amazonian prison, Manaus, 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 members of the PCC breach space of Familia de Norte gang, which is allied to the CV. A brutal riot uh, started, and gang members began to kill each other. They were many were beheaded. I mean, they do a lot of beheading. They do a lot of beheading, man. I'm guessing there's like a machete thing going on. Could you? How do you? How do you quarter someone in jail? I, I how do you mean, cut someone open in quarters in jail. You'd have to have like a machete or a fucking. Because I mean, yeah. Because I mean, cutting bones is hard. Hard. Right? Like, yeah. You gotta like in quarters like that. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, fuck. A brutal riot uh, started, and the gang members started to kill each other. Many were beheaded. Uh, with 56 dead prisoners, this makes it the bloodiest prison gang since the Karandiru. Over 100 prisoners seized the opportunity to escape. The spiral of violence that followed the PCC and CV gangs were clashing all over the country on a smaller scale, especially in the Amazonian district. The local authorities decided to preemptively isolate gang members, which probably decreased the potential bloodshed. The situation was so dire that even Pope Francis addressed hmm. it on New Year's in Manoir prison. Government pleaded to improve funding to the facilities. They've been constantly un overfunded, obviously. In the following week, PCC issued a letter with an official declaration of war oh. to the CV, blaming them for the killings and advising all members to stay on alert. Another brutal riot occurred on the 6th of January in Bauvista, Rodomira. Roraima. Roraima. <laughs> where 33 inmates killed each other. Some of the victims had allegedly, allegedly had their hearts oh ripped out before they were beheaded. I mean, I'm assuming everybody's on drugs, too. Like, I mean, like, yeah. when you're r taking somebody's heart out, like, you got to be in some kind of, like, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, you don't wake up in the yeah. morning. I'm like, all right, you know, have a coffee. And then, I mean, unless you're like. Or, like, what's the come down? You know, it's like yeah. I go up at <laughs> one in the morning at the comedy store. I need, like, an hour. <laughs> what's this guy just covered in blood, like, yeah. eating rice? Like, how do you. That's the thing. Like, afterwards, how do you go to sleep? Like, I mean, you go take a shower. What do you put the rest of it? I mean. Do you wash your clothes? Do you, you throw yeah. them away? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, are you? I, uh, I don't know. Like, fuck. Uh, I mean, I like, I like, I like cutting meat, but like yeah. not the like bone. I don't like. I, never, I hate when the bone comes up in meat. Oh, okay. So by the end of that war, uh, the 2016-2017 between PCC and the CV, over 130 people died. Wow. That's well. I'm glad. I mean, it's cool. I'm actually gonna ask uh, my buddy, Brazilian yeah. buddy, and then I'll let you know. What yeah, he please says. do. About it because it's good to know how. I mean, I had no idea about this. Yeah, I had no idea about him until we but started it's good researching. To know, it's actually good to know at least the name mm -hmm. because let's say we're in the, any part of the world traveling because we travel all the time and they're like, somebody goes ahead, don't mess with that guy, he's with the PCC. <laughs> I get the <laughs> fuck out of it. I'm, uh, I'm like, all right, bye. You know, at least yeah. I know that. Yeah, I'm not like, is it, what is that, a weed company here? Yeah. Come on over here. Where are you guys <laughs> going? Come here, let's hang out. Yeah, yeah. Marcola, that's a cool name. Where'd <laughs> yeah, you get that yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay. All right, Francisco, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate it, man. You want to yeah, give man. him uh, your Instagram or whatever? Yeah, uh, F Ramos Comedy, uh, you know, and Francisco Ramos on Twitter. and uh, He's always at the Comedy Store, yeah. so come by. You'll and probably then, see him. Uh, and TikTok at PCC. No, I'm kidding. 
No, yeah, shit. No, Go no, for no, your TikTok. No, no, I've, no. I'm, I'm one of the people that tried super hard and failed, and there's nothing no, more actually, embarrassing. No, I'm actually on TikTok, the same F. Ramos comedy, but I actually have the most followers on TikTok. Yeah. And it's the one that started the latest. Yeah. Uh, I, can, I finally found, like, the way you're doing. to, like, yeah. you know, every, every social media has their own, like, way that you mm-hmm. have to promote or whatever. So I think I found it. I'm like, Good. that makes sense. You know, it works for everybody. You I just got to yeah. find a way. Yeah, I just, I, I did... F- 150 videos and couldn't get over like 300 followers. It was so embarrassing. I delete it. Yeah, I right. usually need one. Yeah, I know. I just need one to pop. I always just keep getting shadow banned because I'm just kind of. Uh, I think I'm too dirty for that app. Could be. Could be. You know yeah, I mean? you gotta be a little. Yeah, pretty clean. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thanks again. Appreciate it, man. Thank See you, you later. Man.